TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Well, that's Mark Potash's walk-up music, and it seems like somebody should be leaving. And I guess we'll talk to Potsy in a minute to find out which members of the Bears should be leaving. He joins us now on the Alpamonte Ford Hotline. Alpamonte Ford, 500 new and used vehicles to choose from. So it seems like that should be some exit music for for somebody. Potsy, you cover the Bears. So is that like Ryan Pace's exit music? Because I don't think he should ever be allowed to choose another quarterback for the Bears again. Hi, Mark. Well, <laughs> hey, Steve, that might be right. But I think it's a little too early to start uh, looking at who we're going to kick out the door at this, at this point in time. But uh, I, I feel everybody's pain. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you ask the right questions, too. Often ask the right questions. Frequently ask the right questions that the people who have to answer them don't want to answer. This sort of clown college act about special teams where we did everything right and, you know, pay no attention to the kicker behind the curtain. What's the Matt Nagy and his staff came off as either lying or stupid and or maybe a combination what do you make of this as this whole week has played out after that miss? What do you make of the way they look, this staff looks, and and what's the real story? What are they hiding? I'm not sure exactly what they're hiding. I just think they're a little inundated. They're a little overwhelmed by the job at hand. This is uh, Obviously, fixing the Bears is more than Mitch Trubisky, um, and Nagy has acknowledged that. Uh, uh, he has an entire offense that he needs to kind of get going he he I, I put him at the top of the list he has to get going he's got to get better he's you know I, I i don't mean to get off track here but i mean i think the biggest issue with the bears is that they hired a rookie play caller and he's learning just like everybody else's and that's why when we ask some of these questions we're getting a lot of you know i'm with you brother you know seven seven you know i'm, I'm not an idiot you know these are things that he is in charge of doing and he understands that he is kind of not doing it well and so he is learning um as we go along and i think that's the biggest issue so my point is in general i think he's just a little he just has a little bit less control and, and with everything you pile on him usually he's very forthright about things in general the whole kicker thing was very uncharacteristic and i don't think it really made they i don't think it really helped the cause to ignore it i, I get that yeah just make the kick you know i am with them on that but that the kicker preferred one way and they went another, that needs to be addressed. And I guess maybe it's just that they didn't want to give, give the impression that they had some kind of mis, mis, miscommunication or communication problem, which means it was just part of a, a kind of a process, a procedure, which always makes you think that there's, you know, people running around that, you know, like chickens with their head cut off and really don't know what's going on. Hey, Mark, it's nice to talk to you. It's nice to talk to the guy who um, Phil Emery once told to go whistle Dixie. No, excuse me, Jerry Angelo. Jerry Angelo once told you to go whistle Dixie. Right, uh, hard to hard to believe those were the good old days. Yeah, <laughs> what, why did Angelo tell you to do that? I forget. What was that about? Because he asked him to be honest. I, 
I asked him, I think I, I think it was, I, I asked him if he thought that uh, the Sam Hurd uh, situation was going to cost him his job. <laughs> hey, Mark, go whistle Dixie. Um, I, I don't know if you know how to whistle Dixie or if you've whistled any time since No, then. I don't. I uh, didn't even know what it meant, to tell you the truth. Yeah. But many people told me, so, <laughs> so you I learned. figured it out. Uh, all right, so you've been around a lot of, you've heard a lot of head coaches talk about stuff. Uh, Matt Nagy doesn't believe in his quarterback or his offensive system. Or, which one is it? Does he not believe he has the quarterback to run? run his offensive system like is he still confident that he knows what he's doing well i think i think he is but um i think he's starting to realize that um his quarterback um is not quite the quarterback that maybe he thought he had and this is taking a lot longer than he thought and i think he sees uh i'm well actually i'm not sure i kind of get the impression he sees the ceiling uh lowering with uh, mitch trubisky but either way he, he sees that he doesn't have um, you know the plug-and-play quarterback that he would like to have, and uh, I always call, you know, I've always called Trubisky an assembly-required quarterback. He very much is, and I think uh, Matt Nagy's finding out that that putting the pieces together is even that, even that is more complicated than he thought. So um, I think he has other issues that are complicating it because if they had a better offense, the offense is capable should have been based on last year should have been capable of at least lifting Trubisky a little bit to make him even more competent or more competent than he is, but. But uh, but it hasn't been so. It's kind of exposing. I guess what it's done is it's it's exposed Trubisky kind of for what he is uh, a very uh, a, a, a long term uh, project that in a sport where you really don't get long term. Yeah, I, I I think that's true, and I and I think that with the stuff you're saying about him, Nagy saying, I hear you, brother, or you know, agreeing that he's got to change is he's begrudgingly realizing that he can't do what he wanted to do with this guy. He just can't. So if they're going to oh. keep using him, then he's got to simplify and change and adapt and, and run and run. And he um and, and he's doing it. It's slow, but he is changing. And, and that's where you're seeing, like you know, you, you see things that. Sometimes they sound encouraging, but they're really the red flags. Like in Washington, when we asked, you know, Mitch, you know, why why you have this, you know, great game, you know, great game, or actually great quarter, and and one of the uh, explanations was that they they simplified things. Well, you know, then even in, even uh, in the game against the Chargers, they did everything. They tried to cut cut the field in half. They tried to give him fewer options. They're trying to simplify things for a quarterback in his third year in the NFL, his second year in the system. Uh, I don't care how long it takes. In the NFL, they don't give you that much time. You need to be better than that at this point. So those situations, like I, I kind of just explained, as far as just simplifying things, that's not that's not great. You know, that's not really. Those aren't good signs. It's just it's just uh, you know, right now, it's just not a good situation. I don't know how else to put it. Talking with Mark Potash of the Chicago Sun Times. We're talking Bears here on the Score. The is it just the loss of Akeem Hicks, or is it? the fact that the offense is lost and the defense is playing so much more and it compounds itself. I don't know why they they don't look like a Super Bowl defense necessarily as regularly now. They're not scoring like they did last year and you kind of figured they weren't going to. Turnovers are a different thing. But I we're talking about windows here, so what is it with that defense that that can be fixed or that it needs to get back to that level again yeah i don't know i'm not sure if they can do that without getting uh i think they have to fix their offense first i think i don't think this defense is capable of carrying this kind of load even as they are right now and 
and and even and with and Hicks Hicks's absence, I think, is huge as far as just taking a lot of the bite out of out of this defense. That he he does so much on every single play, whether he's involved in the play or not. That that the chain reaction that he creates, that's where you get a lot of those turnovers that you might not even notice him mm-hmm. on that play. So I think that I think Hicks absence takes a lot of the bite out of the defense as far as turnovers big plays they still got it in them but just not like they did last year but also just in general uh this offense the downturn you know last year's offense was not horrible i mean they were 12th in offensive point scores that's that's taking out all the defensive scores i think they were 11th actually i mean that's close to top 10 in scoring i mean they really they really actually did pretty good relative to you know obviously this year the weight is too much they can't carry it uh they're going to break down you've already seen in games already where they've broken down and uh, and and so I, I wouldn't expect this defense to kind of carry you know carry the load uh, carry a playoff load. Let's put it that way. They can you know they can they can get them to like 500, I guess. But but uh, it's just too much right now for this defense because they were, it was impossible to not impossible, but it was unlikely to have the same kind of turnover situation, takeaway situation as last year. No matter even even at full strength, you lose Hicks. That makes a big difference. Hey, uh, Mark, I'm trying to figure out uh, Ryan Pace in the top 10 of a draft four years in a row. Kevin White, he drafted for traits and attributes, not really a player, blew up in his face. Leonard Floyd, I think he drafted for traits and attributes, and I'm still waiting for Leonard Floyd to develop as a pass rusher. Mitchell Trubisky, traits, attributes, <laughs> complete and utter bust at this point. Roquan Smith was a football player, man, a badass, as well as the traits and attributes, but a badass college football player. Uh, do we do we still believe that Roquan Smith is going to be a, a great middle linebacker in this league? Yeah, I, I think he's, got, he's still got that potential. I mean, obviously, the, he's had that, you know, that personal situation and and then the next couple games afterwards, he just looked. It was strange. It was really strange. He just did not look like the same player. Showed a little bit of spark back uh, last week against the Chargers. So have to believe whatever uh, incident uh, he was involved in or whatever he was involved in uh, is kind of dissipated or whatever, and he's kind of going to get back to where he was. He still is still. I still consider him a hit, and, and with the potential to be the bigger hit. Um, but it's interesting what you lose. You know, we were talking about earlier about when you lose kind of the bite of the defense. That turns uh, that that turns Leonard Floyd from a passable first round miss to a non passable first round miss. I thought Leonard Floyd was a really good player last year for the Bears. I thought you know his draft status notwithstanding, uh, he was a guy you want to keep. Um, this year, I think it, I think it's you're seeing the other side of that coin where when the defense doesn't quite have the bite it does. Then, then he's he's you know he, he kind of goes a little bit even closer and closer to bust territory, and so and like you're saying your original point, you know they're adding up for pace. I mean, there's not there's no other way you can say he's the executive of the year. He earned that honor last year, but it's interesting how quickly things can change because now the focus is on again on all those first round picks and especially uh, his just insistence that uh, Mitch Trubisky was his guy over a couple other guys who should have been. And Mitch Trubisky was sold to the Chicago football public as a guy who one of his great strengths was accuracy. I guess except when it comes to finding Taylor Gabriel for dagger touchdowns, for any kind of touchdowns. How do they keep this up? How how does how did they so misread Mitch Trubisky's accuracy when we haven't seen anything close on a consistent level to what Ryan Pace said we were going to see? Yeah, 
Steve, all I can tell you is I have absolutely no idea. I have no <laughs> idea. For one thing, we don't get to talk to Pace a lot, so we don't get a lot of the uh, a yeah. lot of the intricacies and, and details on and what his thinking was and what he saw. But I tell you, I keep, I've said this before, and I keep keep going back to um, uh, you know talk, when I did have access to kind of the GM or pers- per, uh, player personnel guy, and just talking to Mark Hatley years ago hmm. about uh, about Cade McNown. And 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 Mark would uh, would always just rave about Cade McNown's accuracy in practice, and that's what I and I went back to that the other you know a couple of weeks ago maybe with Black Camera last week whatever when uh, you know every, they, we ran that play every week in practice we hit it every week in practice but in the game oh, the third down play um, a couple of weeks ago but it didn't you know but we but it missed it in the game and so I'm seeing a similarity there. Where uh, you got a guy who looks good on film or on tape or puts or in practice and workouts, whatever, but game time, just not 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 not, not that he's not good, just not as consistent enough, not as accurate enough, not as uh, you know consistently accurate, you know, to be what they thought he could be. The first time, or as soon as Matt Nagy said, it's like two weeks ago when he overthrew Gabriel in the end zone. Well, he hit that every time in practice. I, I immediately thought he became Matt Tressman. Because I heard Trustman say, "Well, we practiced really well this week. I thought we'd play well." Mm-hmm. I thought this you you've you've reached the death spiral descent. You have hit you have hit bottom, and he did nothing last week, uh, especially in the red zone, to dissuade me from from that's where they all are. Whether it's play calling, like you said, Mark, that he has to get better. How do you explain that red zone? Whatever passes for a red zone offense last week. Well, I think, uh, one, their offense just isn't as good. Their offensive line isn't as good as it was, even though they rushed for whatever, how many, many over yards last week. But also it goes back to Matt, to, to Matt Nagy. He's just, you know, you talk about Trestman, not to get off track here, but I, I, I go back to Gary Croton. I think it's a better, that's a better analogy of a guy who, who, who uh, the league didn't know a lot about when he first got here. The league caught up to him, and he had no response, and he was done. And then all of a sudden he left, and they started running the ball again. Mm. Um, that was in 2000. Uh, I think this is a situation where, like I said, that's what I was saying before about about Matt Nagy, is the league has kind of caught on to what he, you know, you're not seeing any of these fun plays that you used to see because he was in more of a comfort zone last year because he was a little bit, he's a half a step ahead, maybe a quarter step ahead, whatever. Now he's a step behind the te- and teams have caught. They know exactly. They know what he's going to do, especially the closer you get to the goal line. That limits kind of what he can do. And and uh, and I just think it's a case of the league has kind of figured it out, and now he's got to respond. And it's just taken a while to to get to that point. Actually, it was it wasn't the league taking a while to respond. It was Gunther Cunningham taking one half of football to respond and and adjust to Gary Croton. Yeah, we all thought uh, we all, we all thought uh, Gunther Cunningham was uh, a little off, or some of us did anyway. But it turned out, uh, like I said, Gary Croton should have run for mayor when he had the chance. I, I feel like I'm going to say the same thing about some of these guys. <laughs> oh God, yeah, Nagy had his chance last year, huh? That's right now he's done. Boy, that's a lot of stupid in your football past, um, Mark. Not on your end, but but all these guys end up. You just seeming... hope it's not contagious, Mark. Well, but who was this? Who, looking back, who do you think was the smartest football guy? You were around with this with this Bears team. They've had a lot of bad, but as you look back and you think, you know what? This guy knew what he was doing. Who jumps out at you? 
You know, I, you mean as far as being a head coach or just an offensive mind? Sure. You know, I guess I'm asking about the coaches. I'm asking about the GMs, too. We mentioned Hatley. We mentioned Angelo. I mean, all these guys end up looking Emory. stupid. I mean, the game kind of humbles just about everybody. But I'm wondering who you look back on it, you know, years and years of coverage and, and attending these press conferences and checking these guys out and seeing practice, what they allow you to see. I'm wondering who you think was, was good at it. I'll be honest. I think you know, just off the top of my head, I think the coach I admire most in all the years I've been doing this is Lovey Smith. Yeah. Because he had he had a way he got things through to his team that uh, you know that other coaches haven't. He you know, he had a mentality, and I always go back to this. I always go back to that play uh, uh, against the Packers. Uh, you know, after he left that the, the, the Jared Boykin uh, uh, fumble recovery when. Uh, it was week was a week seventeen against the Packers yeah. in twenty thirteen, and you know uh, Pepper sacks uh, Aaron Rodgers. The ball's on the ground and nobody picks it up. Never so would have finally happened. somebody tells Jared Boy tells Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers tells Jared Boykin. He picks it up and he runs. To me, that was evidence just how much Lovey Smith had an impact. He hadn't even gone a year, and they had lost that instinct to go for the ball every time. And I think Lovey's impact. Um, even though he obviously had flaws, you know, offensively in general, just, you know, uh, 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 analyzing who, you know, uh, his personnel, uh, overall, his impact on that defense and the, and the defense impact on that team, that's what made those teams. Hmm. I think I admire that most of all because I think, we, I, I, well, I'll speak for myself, I kind of took it for granted until I saw that play and then I realized just what kind of an impact he had. That's a really good answer because you think about it. The like play's pretty vivid. Well, the play's vivid and just the way that all those guys responded to him always. And he got uh, the highest level possible out of all those guys, and they still love him and have loyalty to him. And it didn't matter. He didn't tell us anything, and it drove us crazy, yada, yada. But they freaking loved him and showed and up, kind of, busted ass for him every single week. And it kind of came up a little bit recently this week when I, I think I was asking, I think maybe some others were, about the idea of using an us versus them mentality. You know, you know, now that you've got, you know, Matt Nagy had everything going his way the first year. Now he was facing, you know, all the arrows were flying. Do you kind of create this us versus them mentality? And they don't. And the point is, that was what Lovey did. Uh, Briggs and Erlacher were expert at that. They would, you know, they do that, that bunker down, those bunker down t-shirts, that mentality. They would use that. They would kind of use us as fuel, as motivation, and that's another thing. You're because Nagy's right. Maybe that's not the best thing now. But my point is, Lovey's teams were really good at that, and they and and they won a lot of games because of that. That's another to me. That's another facet of of his uh, you know of his coaching expertise. All right, before we let you go, Mark, before you head uh, to before Bears play the Eagles, want to share with the class your prediction, your thoughts, your your um, final score. Well, Steve, you'll appreciate this. This is the point of the year where I go, where I feel I've been burned so many times that I go with the, I go back to the Owen whatever, you know, Owen, the Owen sixteen thing you used to do, uh-huh. and uh, and just figure, <laughs> no, well, they're going to lose every I, single game. Yeah, they're going to lose every single game, and uh, I don't think that will happen. But uh, I don't think they're going to win this game. Um, and I think I, my prediction, I think, was twenty three sixteen. So I don't think they're going to cover, but. Um, but yeah, I just you know I I think I just don't know what to expect from this team. I don't they don't show any signs. Whatever happens, it's going to be a little bit of a surprise. I mean, even last year, the, I mean, last, excuse me, last week the offense was like they used the I formation. I mean, you know, that's not quite like using the T formation, but that's still <laughs> so outside of what Nagy is all about. 
that it's like a gimmick. And so it, even that doesn't really give you the impression that they can sustain it. So I just think, um, you know, I don't think they're in a death spiral. I disagree with the idea that they're going to falter because I think until the last four games, I think they got winnable games. There are a lot, like I say, never, never uh, uh, underestimate the mediocrity of the NFL. Teams, it's, it's interesting how just things kind of can come your way if you just let, if you just make it happen. I guess I, I always had, have a chance for that. I always had the Bears winning fifty-three to three, and that's what I have. I have the Bears beating the Eagles fifty-three to three tomorrow. That is the Steve Rosenblumist prediction, I think, yep. ever. That's it. That's where we're going to, especially coming <laughs> off, especially coming off their recent month, which sounds like a Sue Grafton novel. O is for October. The Bears didn't win in October. It sounds like a Sue Grafton title. So, but 50, you know, it's funny. You're, you know, I don't think you're going to win by fifty points, but the whole, I, you know, the whole contrarian. Uh, uh, theory or whatever it just works in the nfl and it wouldn't surprise me it just works you know the way this team is is going you think well once you think one thing the other thing is going to happen i just don't like i just don't like the i don't like the red flags i've been seeing the last couple of weeks and i know this team has it in them maybe but i just don't see the the, the signs the, the indicators that uh, will say they can beat a team uh, beat the eagles uh, on the road all right, we'll find out. Mark, always great to talk to you. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for making time. Steve, Matt, good talking to you guys. Thanks, Have Mark. Good day. All right, go whistle Dixie. <laughs> Will do. <laughs> Mark Potash, Chicago Sun-Times, talking bears in between whistles. I pledge nearby to say goodbye to him with that for the rest of my life. All right. This hour is brought to you by the Illinois Secretary of State's office. Visit www.realid.ilsos.gov. He's Matt Spiegel. I'm Steve Rosenblum. Saturday suckage till the top of the hour. Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. So speaking of food and the 2016 Cubs, I want to get back to the, the whole grilled cheese thing. We had Grody on earlier. Because I just, I, I want to understand the whole thing. This yeah. is a part of, I love baseball concessions. I grew up with Doyer Dogs. Now there's actually something called a Doyer Dog that they sell at Doyer Stadium. Mm. And I don't were, like making baseball concessions. I like holding them to a very high standard. Very high standard. Well, this was at the top deck of general admission where we sat. Because it put us closer to the concession stand, so we we put them, we held them to a high standard too. Mm. But this grilled—is there a grilled cheese concession stand in Cleveland? What's the whole grilled? Yes. You bought Grody a grilled cheese. Hey man, um, it's you know by then by Game Seven of the World Series three years ago today, I'd been in Cleveland for for a while. Wow. Yeah, me and Jason Goff broadcast from the press box, from the, the radio booth, as a matter of fact, before games one and games two, games one and two, Uh huh. did our radio shows, came back home. Three, four, five. And then went there for game six. Not knowing if there would, we will see you tomorrow night. We went to, attended game six. It's a broadcast that day of morning of game six, attended game six, and then broadcast the morning of game seven. And then we were supposed to go catch a flight right then and there to go home to Chicago. And miss a Game 7 with the Cubs in the World Series? I refused. Good for you. I didn't know this was part of the deal. Oh, yeah. It was the day, it was the day before. Leave. It, it was, so that night after they won Game 6, I'm like, 
I, I'm supposed to leave tomorrow after the radio show and miss Ooh. game seven. That's not happening. <laughs> and I've talked to Mitch Rosen and Mitch said, I need you back in Chicago Thursday morning at 9 a.m. on the air. So if you're going to stay and go to game seven you on Wednesday drive night. home after the World Series celebration. I inquired about some rides and thought about renting a car. And I ended up being able to uh, get home a different way, which is a beautiful thing. Um, but I've never told that story. I don't plan to right now. But anyway, I stayed and went to game seven. Damn there's it. Only, there's only one answer to that story. Somebody had a private jet somewhere. There's only I, one answer to that because you don't, no car. No. No airline's going to get you here. You couldn't rely on that. Yeah. So that's, unless the Jetsons had flying cars, and we know they didn't in 2016 because they don't in 2019. All right. Had moving a, had moving a, right along. Had a friend with a private plane is correct. That is correct. Okay. So, moving right along. Um, so it did get home because, uh, yeah, so stayed there for game seven. And I had a seat all the way down the right field line um, in the auxiliary press area. That's where I was seated after stealing a seat and sitting where I should not be allowed to sit right next to Rick Tellender for games one, two, and, and six. Wait, is that his? He wasn't using it. What happened was... <laughs> What happened was I put a chair where there was no space. Oh, nicely done. Right there in the front row right of the there. press box. Must be in the front row. And it wasn't until game, till game, uh, the middle of game six, they said, yeah, you can't sit there. I'm like, That's when they figured it. it out? Damn it! Oh. What, a, what a golden ticket I had. So I'm sitting all the way down the right field line, the auxiliary press box, um, next to Dane Placco. Dane Placco! Me and Dane watched game seven together, and... I'm glad that I was there for that spot because I had a perfect view of the bullpen. I saw John Lester warming up for, what, three innings? Yeah, he was standing there with his hands at his side, palms up, going, come on. Yeah, just interminable, interminable amount of time warming up until he had to be used. But by the end, he was just like, just tossing it with no body movement whatsoever. Like, I guess I'll keep throwing the ball <laughs> to the current Cubs manager, David Ross, in that bullpen at the time. Uh-huh. Um, but then, uh, yeah, so like, you know, somewhere during the sixth inning or something, I think it was, I walked over and was standing standing with Mark Grody behind Pat and Ron saying, all right, I'm going to go down and get something to eat. And Grody said, could you get me something? And so I went down to the concourse and there was a grilled cheese stand, which I'd heard very good things about. So I took a picture of the menu on my phone, texted it upstairs to Mark Grody, and uh, there's a grilled and he made cheese order. concession stand. There so, is. so what were what was on the menu? What were your choices? Was it like oh, bacon, see, tomato? I can find the picture. <laughs> but bacon and tomato would be the only way. Uh-huh. That's your ultimate grilled cheese, isn't it? What no, else would be in there? There was pepperoni. One, there was one that had truffle oil. There was one that had like macaroni and cheese on it. Something like that. Macaroni, and, grilled cheese, and macaroni and cheese and yeah. cheese. Yeah, and cheese. Uh, right. So spam, I, spam, spam, <laughs> sausage, and spam. Fried onions, I guess. I think okay. fried onions is think is, is what I had on there. But anyway, yeah, brought up a grilled cheese to Mark Grody, and we stood sat, stood there behind Pat and Ron during Game Seven of the World Series and had a grilled cheese sandwich together. I love this idea of a grilled cheese concession stand. Yeah. I would, I would do. I think the whole mac and cheese thing is a perfect 
that that's your perfect vehicle for whether you're Super Bowl party or some kind of sports event, mm-hmm. because then you 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 macaroni and cheese and hot dogs, macaroni and cheese and other encased meats, macaroni and cheese and and buffalo chicken nuggets. Sure, oh, it's a perfect thing. All of it. Yeah, that's my that's my uh, macaroni yeah. and cheese and hot dogs is a good idea. comfort food squared. You know, like the last couple of days here, mm-hmm. two days ago when the apocalyptic rains, that was a really good food for that. Agreed. Food. For that, are so, you are you are you my seven year old son? I that's want his... I want to be. I, I've seen him. I'm not. I can never be that cute. He's adorable. He's sharp. He's no. I can't be that. You cute. come and by over. The way, you, you come brought, over. Speaking of food, yeah. You brought in. Did you bring in Halloween candy? Is I that did. what's in the? Is that yours? Yeah. I, I, there was some already here, and I just brought it in and threw it on the pile. This is what happens: is that the parents, and uh, you know, you have to get that candy out of your house eventually. You know, and mm. this is what are we two days out from Halloween? Three days? We had uh-huh. a whole bunch of extra candy around. It was time to get that out. Of but the see house. that the Halloween was so the weather was so apocalyptic, so bad. It's the it underscored the reason why you can only buy Halloween candy to give out if you like the candy, because you might you will get stuck with some. Yes, you, you will. will have leftovers. And like you, I always had leftover Kit Kats. That's the one to have. Leftover. I always bought the Kit Kats, mm-hmm. and then I I wanted them to. I wanted weather like there was on Halloween. I wanted them leftover. I got to tell you, we had a candy varietal at home to hand candy out. Candy varietal. Wow, which, it's got a snotty little bouquet. Which we, it's got a great <laughs> nose on it. Which lingered obviously, and now it 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 had run out before I brought it in here, but skyrocketing to the number two slot. On my Halloween candy depth chart. Oh boy! Behind, Was this a Halloween candy draft leftovers somehow? Behind the the single Reese's peanut butter cup, not the individually wrapped in foil because that ratio is all screwy. The little mini, but no, the single Reese's peanut butter cup. Mm-hmm. Behind that, I gotta say, I don't think I've given enough love historically to the Twix bar, the mini see, Twix. I I understand, it's, but no, sorry. Oh. Kick- it's Kit Kat no, and a route. The Mini Twix Kit is, Kat is better. And a route. No, it's better than no. Kit Kat. So no. The Mini Twix, it has just that caramel and the chocolate and then the shortbread. Because you if you want, you can eat the chocolate and the caramel off the top and then eat the chocolate from around the sides, and then end up with the pure. The just things the cookie. aren't that big. The ones you're talking about aren't that big. They're it's, all over my fingers. Oh, it's just just delightful. No, I, the, I, the Twix deserves more love historically no, than what it's got. No, I've I my my Favoritism for the Twix has faded considerably because Kit Kats have just consistently held up. They've had a really good OPS. T- <laughs> what is their OPS? <laughs> their OPS. It's very. It's always over a thousand. I can't eat Kit Kats in volume. Like I'm done after one or maybe two. Twixes, I can I can keep going if I need to if I need to take care of eight to twelve. It's, it's um, oral plus slugging is really what it is. <laughs> Disgusting. Get cats. Yeah. Bottom of the hour was brought to you by Northwestern Football. You know, join Northwestern Football. Ryan Field this fall in the Wildcats host Purdue in Minnesota in Big Ted play. Single game tickets to see Chicago's Big Ten team are on sale now at NUSports.com. And this segment is brought to you by Subway. Subway restaurants feature a different six-inch sub for $3.79 every day. Subway, make it what you want at participating restaurants. Additional charge for extras plus applicable tax. No additional discounts or coupons may be applied. Stromboned. The tweeter, the tweeter feed of um, Roberto Luongo. Yes, known as Strombone. 
offers this advice. Now, remember, don't be a terrible parent and eat all your kids' Halloween candy tonight. Eat just enough that they don't notice it's gone. That's Parenting 101. <laughs> That's solid. Take it, take it from a man who's taking a lot of pucks to the head. All right. Do we have them? Are uh, Julie and Maggie all we established contact over there? Was it the master of all knowledge, Dave Miska, who assured us of that? That all is right. correct. All right. They're out at Top Golf in Naperville. And we will talk to Julie DeCaro and Maggie Hendricks after this break. Oh, the help. Now, people are weighing in with all their, their candy bars. They are. They the, did this. They, they're creating their own draft. Well, the Twix Army has assembled, and I'd like to thank them for assembling. The um, Twix Army. My wife always gives me the weirdest look when I eat a Twix by deconstructing it. Oh, no, that's exactly how it's supposed to be eaten. Well done. Right on, Speaks. I'm a Reese's guy. This year, my wife bought Twix. I can't stop eating them. Sorry. I'm telling you. No. The Twix it's has staying Kit-Kat. power. It's, it, Kit- it's Kit Kat. The Twix has staying it's power. It's undefeated. All right. Well, we'll just argue about candy bars through the break. Deal. Saturday suckage. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Ladies, ladies, ladies. You know, it's always interesting to happen to color outside the lines, as we are wont to do. And so there is this virulent candy bar debate going on on the text lines. Mm-hmm. And we have the peanut butter candy you talked about spelled like a rhesus monkey. <laughs> Somebody decided it was rhesus cup spelled like a rhesus <laughs> monkey. And I really don't think I want to hand out that candy bar or more, especially it's just the cup. Receive itself. it. I do not want any part of that. I'm guessing that's a voice text. Um, <laughs> that I had thought result, of that. Result. But everything else seemed to be it's spot on, individually wrapped Reese's cup yeah. and a caramel twist. Yeah. Like I prefer- the caramel part is that's, is that likely to show up in a voice text? Because the caramel spelling is pretty particular. The peanut butter one is pretty awesome as well. The the fact that Reese's would be the only word spelled so yeah. originally. I, and I didn't know that Reese's monkeys wore cups. I didn't know they did. You know, is it only when they play certain sports? Yeah, they work out too. So you now you know that. Makes sense. So that's it. So I, I wanted well, to ask him directly. We might as well get more opinions on candy bars since that seems to be the raging issue on a sports talk station. And we will go out to Top Golf. Where Julie DeCaro and Maggie Hendricks are. They'll be joined by Lance Briggs from 2 to 3.30. Listen to that applause. Well, There's... that was because Lance Briggs just walked in. Oh. That, that happens every time Lance walks that in. That applause was not for two, us. Two no. people, not at all. Two people applaud every time Lance Briggs walks in? Yes. Yep. No matter what we're doing, a huge cheer goes up the minute Lance makes his appearance. I mean, we could be making, we could be having like a really heartfelt discussion on whatever, on, you know, the future of Mitch Trubisky. It doesn't matter. We're building a pyramid. Lance is here. You know, you mentioned to Lance, we just talked to Mark Potash from the Sun-Times, and he's been around a lot of Bears regimes, bunch of head coaches, different personnel guys, and I asked him to look back and tell me who he thought was actually good at the job, because they all end up being damaged by football, and we look back on them with some level of suck, but he said lovey. <laughs> he said lovey Smith. He said, looking back, what lovey consistently got out of his guys um, is it, he ends up with the most respect for Lovey in terms of Bears regime's past. I wonder what Lance would have to say about that. You know what I would give to go 10-6 and six this year? <laughs> I, seriously, I mean, come on. 
Yeah. And yeah. The, Lance just said they left at 10 and six. He left yeah, at 10 and six. Yeah. Like, that right. was a disappointing year. That was that. a disappointing year. So, you know, I, mean, I have to agree with that. I mean, I think that Lovey's career since has not been as perfect as maybe we'd want it to be. But I think we can definitely look back upon his career fondly in Chicago. We had a texter start the show amazed. Like, what universe did he wake up in? Where Lovey Smith has a has more has a better record than Matt Nagy at this point. That's not that what, hard, honestly. That, well, for Illinois, it is. It has been for Lovey Smith true. down there. That's the remarkable thing. So we, um, I have the Bears winning fifty three to three tomorrow because I think they're just that much better than the Eagles. Cause sure, because just why not? Yeah, sure, go for it. Well, you can't predict what's going on when the Raiders and Chargers beat you. Why wouldn't you beat the Eagles? <laughs> nothing nothing makes sense because we were told the quarterback the Bears drafted up, uh, traded up to draft was good, was accuracy. That was his strength, accuracy. And we'll, we're going to bring Taylor Gabriel to the witness stand to let him testify about that. Oh. I, I just don't understand what's going on. Do you have any thoughts, any ideas? What's really going on with that offense and that quarterback? Is, is Matt Nagy doing everything he can to – to protect the the brittle psyche of the quarterback who isn't fit to be an NFL franchise quarterback, do you think? Well, if he's trying to protect his psyche, it didn't work because no. I think Mitch said he's a shell of himself when he watched the uh-huh. Fox replay. And, I mean, he, he doesn't seem like the same guy. He doesn't seem like he has the confidence that he had. He doesn't seem as sort of playful as he was in the past. And I really feel like they're trying to force him to be a pocket passer when that is not where his skill set is. And, you know, when you bring a guy in, Matt Nagy was supposed to be designing – an offense around Mitch Trubisky, not trying to force Mitch Trubisky to be the kind of quarterback he wants him to be. And I know that, you know, he wasn't the one that decided to draft Trubisky, but he's the guy you got. So you've got to figure out what he's good at and what he's been good at is throwing on the run and scrambling. And that's the one thing they're not letting him do. Yeah. It's, it seems like it, it's a million years ago when he had that six touchdown game and we were all so excited. It doesn't even seem like he's the same human. It's like he's been. You know, aliens have abducted him, and we've gotten alien Mitch back. And it's, it's like, not the same guy at all. But at some point, it can't all be on Matt Nagy. It's all, you know, Mitch Trubisky has to be responsible for his own, his own head, honestly. I keep thinking about what the quarterback room is going to look like next year when you've got a retread, a mid-round draft pick, and Mitch. I would assume that's your makeup of what the three guys who come to camp with a chance to battle are. Did you guys see this number? This came out just a couple days ago. Um, I've been saying how the Bears need clarity by the end of this year on Mitch because they have to pick up that fifth-year option next March or not. (laughs) Or not. And the, the number is $24 million. That's how much Mitch Trubisky would make for year five of his rookie contract if the Bears were to pick it up. $24 million. He should have to pay $24 million to play for the Bears. Like, literally. I would oh. be a much worse quarterback well, I mean, for, like, $12 million if they wanted. <laughs> but, but here's the problem. What else are you going to do? You've got a, a defense that is Super Bowl quality, Super Bowl caliber, you're going to spend another two years while someone tries to learn this system on the fly? You're, you're, I, I don't you're, know what else you do. You're going yeah. to bring in a retread like Mariota or Ryan Tannehill or, or Teddy Nick Bridgewater or, no. Nick, or Nick Foles, and you're also going to draft somebody, and you're not going to pay Mitch $24 million for year five. I, I mean, I, I just think that, that that's why next year's room interests me. I, I think we've gotten the clarity pretty much on Mitch that we needed already. But that is why... 
That is why what you you talked, Julie, when you mentioned about what doing what Mitch does well, don't make him a pocket quarterback, especially if that's what the Packers want him to be, is make him play quarterback. Then when you had that defense, when you had Akeem Hicks healthy, that's what you wanted to do. You wanted to let him, let him be Russell Wilson with training wheels and let him run around because that's what he did best because windows in the NFL don't stay open long unless your name is Belichick and Brady. And that's where this went wrong for starters. And this is why we should be in charge of the Bears. Right. I don't know, I don't know why they don't hire us. I'm still wondering. Have you sent a resume? Because Ernie Acorsi and, his, and yeah. the wood, woodland creature on his head did not suggest you. <laughs> yeah, if you I'm going to reach out to Ernie and see if I can know. work my way in there. If, right. if you guys don't have a past with Ernie, you're not getting any jobs in the league. Sorry. We can go to Max and Benny's together. Come on, Ernie. All right. They're out at Top Golf. That's Julie and Maggie. They're at a Top Golf in Naperville. Lance yeah, Briggs. Beautiful Naperville. Lance Briggs will join them from 2 to 3.30. We want to thank Mark Grody, David Schuster, Mark Gonzalez, Mark Potash, Zach Withers, and Mike Chen produced this epic. Matt Spiegel back from holding a replica of Shoeless Joe's bat. We're Saturday Suck at Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. It wouldn't have been possible if we weren't here to be told how much we suck. So, kudos to you guys for sucking as bad as we do. Oh, yes. Wait Wait a minute, minute, Mr. Post. Wait, wait. Wait. Oh, yeah. That's it. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.